Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, welcome back, Maximizers. This is Maximum Influence. Kurt Morrison here, Podcast 447, as we take a deep dive in persuasion, motivation, influence. Today is negotiation, deception, those dirty tricks. This is part two from last week to talk about what's causing those deadlocks. What are the dirty tricks, those dirty deeds? What are those psychological tactics? People are still being trained on, people are still using. Again, I said it last week. Not for you to use them, but to be aware of them. <laughs> so hopefully everyone's having a great week. Mine's been pretty good. Not a lot I can talk about that has happened. So a really good average week I'm having. Hoping you're having a better week than that. You're achieving your goals. You're getting ready to go out and persuade with power, to influence under the radar, and convince with charisma. How's that all in one package? Everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion. Let's master it. Let's do it. Let's get the schools to start teaching it. So let's go into our geeky, scarly article. This one's an interesting one. If you haven't heard, if you haven't seen a lot of people wearing masks, not wearing masks, stop wearing masks, didn't want to wear a mask, made everybody wear masks. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that, but this is an interesting study about how masks affect cognitive performance. So this is Dr. David Smearden of the University of Queensland. That's in Australia, for those who don't know. And the journal PNAS, which stands for Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Hey, you learned a new word today, PNAS. Impress your friends with that one. So this is interesting. I thought it went well with today because we're talking about deception and dirty tricks. And... They were talking about wearing a face mask. Again, we've seen people. Some people are, some people aren't. Some countries are, some countries aren't. But this was done during the COVID-19 pandemic, where they had 8,000 people in 18 different countries, so this is around the world, wearing a mask while they were playing chess. You know, I have a lot of mental, cognitive ability. You're thinking ahead. Seems to me the more moves you're thinking ahead, the easier it is for you to win, but that's probably a whole nother podcast. Anyway, they found that by wearing the mask, it substantially reduced the average quality of the player decisions. They were basically the mask was dumbing them down. They weren't making good decisions. And the decrease in performance was due not just the lack of oxygen and breathing in your own air. It was happening because of the annoyance of the mask. It's uncomfortable and it causes people to be distracted. So the data showed that masks were more likely to decrease performance in situations where there was a demanding mental task with a high working memory load. So that's important when you think about schools or being in tech or engineering. You need this high level of cognition or working memory. Because with chess, the reason they use chess is because you have to have insight, calculation, memory, problem solving, pattern recognition. I mean, there's a lot going on there. And it did hurt cognitive performance. Now, here's what's interesting, that wearing a mask had that negative impact, but it subsided after four to six hours of playing. Basically, you got used to it, and what it was doing to you mentally quit 
happening. Kind of an interesting piece to the study. So why did I bring that up today? We're eventually get into deception and negotiation, the dirty tricks. Okay, these masks were uncomfortable. They were a distraction. It gave people something else to think about. And the big word there is distraction. That's what all these dirty tricks and dirty deeds are. They're distractions, throwing off your game. You could treat it like teasing, trying to get a reaction, throwing you off your game, getting you to think about things you shouldn't be thinking about. And when that distraction happens, just like the mask thing, you're not on the top of your game. Mentally, cognitively, you might be losing some IQ points because you're distracted. You're not thinking straight. That's why it's so important to be prepared, understand these deeds, be calm, cool, in control, and not let it get to you. Because if it comes to distraction, you get emotional, then you're not using all your brain cells. Just saying, just put it out there. Think about it when you're negotiating or persuading or doing any type of high mental function task. And that brings us to our persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't. Or I'll say blunders. So one of the things I did this week was I evaluated a speech competition. You know, I teach public speaking, persuasive presentation, help people become more charismatic. It's my world. I've seen hundreds, thousands of presentations. And this was at a local university. And so I'm evaluating these speeches. And these were the better speeches. It was a contest. And I'm just going to talk about some of the blunders. And this is across the board, every culture. And I guarantee there's a few here that you're probably doing and don't even realize why you're doing it or what it does to your presentation. Because anybody can present, but is it persuasive, right? We've talked about this. So the first one, holding notes, really? Come on, people, holding notes. Some person brought up a laptop. I mean, these were five, six minute speeches. You need note cards. You need to have a laptop to look at. People, first of all, if you're holding notes, that takes you away from your energy, your charisma. It's like folding your arms or doing the fig leaf. Try the fig leaf out. A lot of people do that. That's not confident. We love gestures. Get them moving. So you don't want to have notes. You don't want to be especially holding notes, especially at a short presentation like that. And be free with your gestures. We love gestures. Gestures big. Come back to your side. Don't do the fig leaf or fold your arms or hold those note cards. That was a huge blunder right there. Other blunder I saw, and you might not have this challenge, especially down on the Zoom days, is just standing in one spot. I mean, you have a whole stage to walk around, use the energy in the room. The bigger the stage, the more you can move. Even with Zoom, can you stand up? Can you walk around? Because we talked about this a month or two ago that people aren't as creative when they're sitting down in front of a Zoom call than when they're up moving and walking around. So it helps the energy of the presenter, and it also helps the presenter in the recall. Big one. Ugh. Vocal fillers, um, er, uh, you know, dude, <laughs> like whatever it is, saw a couple people that didn't fix their vocal fillers. Hard to be charismatic and confident when you are full of vocal fillers. And here's an interesting one. I don't know if that's because they weren't graded on it or it was a college crowd, just what you're wearing. People still judge you on what you wear. You know, wearing sweats, probably not a good idea when you're being judged. There's money on the line. There was... A significant amount of money scholarships on the line and you're wearing sweatpants. Now, maybe if they were talking about sports or something like that might work, but the topic had nothing to do with the sweats versus the person who actually won was wearing a suit. Not saying that's the only reason, but it can't hurt. It can only help. And a big one, lack of preparation. Now, I'm not talking about your weekly meetings that you have all the time, but if you have that presentation, 
That makes a big difference. Your job's on the line. Money's on the line. You need to be prepared. So 50%, prepare your talk. The other 50% is the practice. So that lack of practice is huge. Because if your bandwidth is on what to say next, you're not living in the moment. You're not part of the audience. Your bandwidth should be on the audience, not what to say next. That is a huge piece. And that made the difference between the winners and the losers is their bandwidth. They knew it. You know they knew it. And so they were there in the moment with the audience instead of having their brain stuck on what to say next. That's a huge one that I coach people on is their bandwidth needs to be with the audience. I'd rather have you forget a few things, but you're there in the moment being charismatic, being persuasive. That is a huge piece of your success. So throwing it out there, some blunders, pick one and fix it. Because again, I'm putting money on you doing at least one of those in your presentations. So let's dive into our content of the day. Finishing up on some of the dirty deeds, those dirty tricks. I think we finished up last time with a good cop, bad cop. (laughs) It's out there. It's still happening. It's in every movie. Remember, stay calm and control. Even identify the technique. You guys doing good cop, bad cop can go a long way. But let me just get into the why of this a little bit. And one of the deeds I call intimidation where it's a power play. They don't have any tools. It's worked in the past. One of those could be it's 9 o'clock. You show up at 8.50 right there on time, and they make you wait. 9.05, 9.10. Hello? <laughs> and it's, you're like, 9.15? What do you do in that situation? Or, hey, come in. Have a seat. I just have one more phone call to make. And you're just sitting there kind of looking around. They're laughing with somebody on the phone. It's intimidation. What do you do? A situation like that says, I'm busy. We need to reschedule. I don't have any time anymore for this. It was nine o'clock. If you have to have that meeting, don't let it get to you. Use it as prep time. Get on your cell phone and call somebody and go through it. So you have to decide how important this meeting is. If you can reschedule it, hey, go for it. If you need to have it, just you know, use it for prep time. Get on your cell phone and don't let it get to you. Because intimidation's a real thing. Do they smoke in an on-smoking room? Do they put you in that chair where the sun's shining in your face? Do they order food, but they don't order you any food? Do they say they're taking a break at noon, but they don't? Or even worse, your seat. You're not even going to notice this. It's all below the radar, but your seat might be an inch, half inch shorter than everyone else's. So subconsciously, you're feeling a little inferior. <laughs> what do you do? Well, order your own food. Move your chair. Identify. Is there any reason my seat's shorter than everyone else's? Don't let it get to you. They're trying to intimidate you. Just make a mental note of it and move on. Another dirty one is the sheep in wolf's clothing. Oh, well, I'm not a good negotiator. Help me out. You know, they're going to fire me for doing this. Yeah, keep your guard up. <laughs> Watch out what they're going to do. And final deed, then we'll talk a little bit about deception. So I call the phony offer. Be very careful of this. We see this a lot in real estate investing. Let's say the house is 300. It's a fair number. And someone says, oh, great, I'll take it. And you're like, oh, good. She says, I'll come tomorrow with the check. And just psychologically, like, whoo, we did it. And you come back and <laughs> they couldn't get quite that much. They could only get 290. Why do they do this? It's very deceitful. They're trying to type the property. They're trying to get you to quit selling it. Mentally, get it's already sold. And they got close to the amount. Maybe it's 5000 short or something like that. That's all they could get. And you're like, okay, whatever, I'll take it. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to take it. You got to stick to your guns and go through that. And be, also be careful. Another one we see in real estate is too, where 
you're selling it for three hundred thousand dollars, and the first offer comes in at two fifty. You're like, no, go away. And then the next one's two forty. You're like, whoa. Next one's two fifty five. What? Two sixty? <laughs> like, what's going on here? They're just messing with you psychologically. They're just messing with your brain and what it's worth because you're like, well, maybe it's not worth that or something. I don't know. Everyone is making these offers. They're all from the same company. They're just trying to adjust your perception of what it's worth. So be aware, stay in control, identify the technique, don't let it get to you, and decide if you even want to negotiate with this person. So I promised last time we talked a little bit about deception. Again, not so you become better liars, just so you're aware of it. And with deception, people are trying to misinform you, distort the truth, withhold information. They could be falsifying information. So you've got to crank up your deception radar. It takes practice, a little concentration. It is easier than you think. And you have to look for what's called deception leakage. It could be in their voice, verbal or in their nonverbals. There's a lot of different things that we can look at, especially on the nonverbal side, because people have micro expressions that just last a fraction of the second. That's impossible to disguise that we can really peg, especially with politicians. You look at videos later when you know they're lying, you can see certain things like, yep, they couldn't hide it. They were definitely lying. So what increases deception? When people get angry, they don't have any tools or skills, maybe, maybe a threat to their esteem could be part of it. So how do we detect deception? So the first thing that a lot of people don't do is you need to go in with no preconceptions. Just, all right, we're neutral, clean slate. And then this is why we talk about the weather or fill in the blank, whatever it is. You're trying to find their standard behavior because if they can't look you in the eye when you're talking about the weather, you know that's their standard behavior. Or if they are already perspiring before you get into the negotiation, that could be their standards. So try to get a feel how they react when they're not nervous. And the key with this too, as I go through some of these things, is to look for clusters. Meaning, just because they're perspiring doesn't mean they're lying. Just because they're taking up less space doesn't mean they're lying. Just because they keep touching their face doesn't mean they're lying. Just because they're using more vocal fillers doesn't mean they're lying. But ding, 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 if you see all those, probably lying. So just because there's one, maybe two, doesn't mean they're lying. But if you start seeing three or four... They are lying. And understand too, it just takes a lot more mental cognitive energy to lie. You can just see they're thinking more. And realize too that people who tell the truth are expecting to be believed. Those that are lying are always trying to retreat and go back and make sure you believe them. <laughs> and also understand that those that deceive or accuse you of deceiving first a lot of times. You're like, wait a minute. So just be aware of that as we get into some of these things you're looking for. And if you do feel like they're lying, don't confront them. The more they can think that they're getting away with it, the better. The more you can see that they're lying and, and you'll be able to adjust your negotiation and run if you need to. Another one, it's easier to lie to someone you don't like. We talked about this last time. Being more likable, people tend to not use some of the dirty deeds or tend to lie as much. So what are we looking for? So let's back up and look at the nonverbals. Of course, the eyes. That's where a lot of people think about, oh, they're not looking at me. Well, no. You're looking at a change in eye contact. Remember you found their standard behavior? So either they're going to look at you more because, oh, I got to look at them. They might think I'm lying <laughs> or they'll avoid eye contact. You'll see a difference in the amount of eye contact, either way too much or way too little. If you can concentrate enough, you will see increased blinking and the pupils tend to dilate in the eyes. Arms and shoulders. People might cover themselves up more by crossing their arms Maybe they're taking up less space, their shoulders are turned away from you, maybe a shoulder shrug or 
They look a little more tense in the shoulders. That could be one of the clusters you are looking for because when the shoulders are squared up, there's a connection there. They're interested, but when they're kind of turned a little bit, they're moving away, that could be a sign. Then there's the legs. Are they crossing their legs, bouncing their legs up and down, crossing, uncrossing, wiggling, tapping? Sometimes you'll put your feet underneath the chair, take up a little less space. Could be something to look for in the legs. Now you can look at their head. That's the one that we're usually best at controlling. It almost, you might see a slight tilt. A lot more hands to the head. It's almost like their head's just being propped up. It just looks unnatural when people are trying to control some of their head movements. That might be something to take a look at. What is their mouth doing? Swallowing tends to increase. They biting the lip, the fake smile. And you know a fake smile because their eyes are not smiling with their mouth. Or you might hear more lip smacks because the mouth gets really dry. You might see in the body increased perspiration, physically moving back. They're, it's like their gestures are more mechanical because they're, they're more aware of them. They're thinking, I got to gesture more. I got to look at people more. So things tend to be a little more fake. So those are some of the things that you can look for. On the nonverbal side, let's talk about the vocal or the verbal side. So remember, it takes more bandwidth to lie. So longer pauses, they're thinking more, they're putting in more of those vocal fillers we don't like, the um, ers, and us. This basic speech errors you might see that you weren't seeing before because they're not thinking about their speech, what they're saying as much as, whoa, whoa, what I need to say next. And it just takes a lot more energy to create a lie than it is to tell the truth. And you can see that in the vocal. And sometimes you'll see a change in pitch. A lot of times the pitch will get higher when people get upset, lower when they're sad, but there might be a change in pitch. So remember, we're looking for changes from the standard behavior. And then you're also looking at content, lack of detail. Where are we going? Uh, out <laughs> or too much detail? Well, you know, it was 1057. We did this. We walked down this street. And so just the content, either way too little information or way too much. You might sense a little sarcasm and appropriate humor could be part of the content too, but be astute in this. Become better at reading these things. Again, don't call them out. Oh, you're a liar. Pants on fire. <laughs> Whatever the saying is, just don't let them know that you're catching them, that you're feeling that they're lying because remember they're playing defense. They're trying to make sure that you're believing them because they're lying. Just have it come across that you're believing them for now. And they're going to put their guard down and it'll be easier and easier to tell what they're lying about. And if you're not sure, be prepared to ask some questions. Now, be careful on this one. Let's take kids, for example, teenagers. Many of you have teenagers. So they said they went to the library and who does that anymore to study with their friends. So you're like, wait a minute. And they come home and they have rehearsed many things. Who was there? What they studied? Right? They've rehearsed the questions that you're going to ask. And so it's kind of hard to tell once they've rehearsed. Now, it can seem a little rehearsed, and that could be a sign for you. What you should do is ask them something they're not expecting. What floor did you study on? <laughs> they're not ready for that. Then you can see the long pause. They're thinking they weren't ready for that. And that's true in negotiation. Get some questions ready. Maybe they haven't prepared or thought through, and you can tell visually body language, the amount or lack of amount of content, and of course, the verbal side. 
So there you have it. We talked about deception. We talked about the dirty deeds, the psychological tricks people do. Again, not to use these things, but be aware, be prepared, because some people use a lot of these because they're not prepared. They don't have any tools. Maybe that's their normal. Again, you got to decide when some of these things happen. Is it time to walk or are you going to use it to your advantage? So thanks for being here. This is Maximize Your Influence. Check us out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. There you can get the free book, Maximum Influence, a new edition. Just pick up a little shipping and handling and the free assessment. Your Persuasion IQ assessment is on there. So tell your family and friends. We can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio under Maximize Your Influence. So let me give you the special of the week. How do you create your perfect persuasive presentation? You want the formula? You want the training? All you need to do is go to presentationiq.com, take your assessment, let's identify your strengths and some of the things you need to work on. And for that, I'll give you the training. It helps you with my research, helps you understand what it takes to give that perfect persuasive presentation. So check us out at presentationiq.com. All I ask is become a better negotiator, better presenter, a better influencer. Take something you've learned today, master it, use it, and go out and persuade with power.